Frederick Nietzsche once remarked, they muddy the water to make it seem deep, a phrase that often lends itself to fading elitist scholars and pretentious artists who construct thinly veiled ideas that are seen through and ripped upon any further inspection. Punk rock, ever since the Sex Pistols fired their way into public consciousness, has done its best to exploit the muddy waters as nothing but a puddle. Punk rock is a transparent art form. Studded leather jackets and colored mohawks perpetuate false narratives on what punk is and what it represents. Idols of Southwest England began to feel their narrative drifting away from them into the ponds of disillusion after their first release. Idols is more than a band of brutes with loud instruments and even louder mouths. Their sophomore release, Joy is an Act of Resistance, is more than just another album that calls for yet another circle pit. Joy calls for change. Tackling substance abuse, masculinity, and xenophobia are not original concepts for a punk album, but Idols frames a post-punk sound into the landscape of now. Idols does not operate within their own universe. Instead, they plant their flag straight into the hearts of contemporary culture. Charlie Sheen, Michael Keaton, and Stone Cold Steve Austin are just a few of the names dropped along the way to help form Idols' perspective on the world. Joy as an act of resistance is punk for the next generation. It's self-aware. It straddles brute force with tender care. And above all, it is an art school album. Welcome back to another episode of Art School Albums, and today my guest, one of my dear friends on this earth, but unlike most of the people I have on the show uh, who claim to know a lot about music, who are active in the music scene, who maybe are musicians themselves, today's guest has told me many times that he does not like music. Not a music guy. Which is why I had to have him on the podcast. The voice you just heard is the voice of Eddie Weisfeld. Eddie, I have to ask the all-important question. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Case. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, Ed, it's my it's my pleasure. Mm. You are someone that I've been trying to book for over a month now. We've busy had, guy. We, you're a busy guy. We've Very had busy. some disagreements on what we would talk about on here. Yeah, that was... so. I think that was my biggest because every time I, I, every time that you tried to book me on this, I would bring up one band and one band only, and that's what we're doing today. Yes. Or actually, we also like talked about maybe doing like Rage Against the Machine or like a fun band like that that we both mutually like. But I was like, Idols is the thing. Idols is the music I want to talk about. And you kept trying to like spring some weird artsy bullshit on me. I don't think that's true. I tried to get you to listen to Minor Threats out of step. I don't... It was just like... Okay, I it was okay, but I feel... I'm not a music guy. So if there is a band that I actually enjoy, that's what I'm going to be able to talk about. I, I'm not going to be able to just like jump into anything and try and find the good in it. Exactly. So I want to know why you aren't a music guy and what you spend your time doing if it's not uh, if your life is not consumed by music it's not that i hate music because i'm not a serial killer you know i'm I, I i listen to music that's true but i wouldn't say i'm not a guy that could sit in bed and just put music on and then stare at the wall like, i don't know what you, you're supposed to do while you listen to music you i think sh- that's the biggest thing do you know what to do with your hands when you're at a live show no yeah that's a huge issue we've been to a live show together Twice. Your hands are in your... Well, a few times. Your hands are in your pockets and that... Most of the time. That sick Carhartt jacket you've got. <laughs> Sometimes I dance. Sometimes... But what does your dance look like? It's kind of just like... I, I mean, this is an audio podcast. Yeah, I can't really... Just, yeah, you just I, gave me the visual, which even for me was confusing, and I've seen it before. That was not a big help, Eddie. I'm good at dance. It's very fluid. It's... Uh, I, I'm... But you're a very fluid person. Yeah. Let's leave it at that. So, Eddie... 
you like Rage Against the Machine. Yes. You like you seem to drift towards uh, noisier bands, perhaps with a, a hardcore punk influence. Uh, give me some proper nouns. Give me some bands that, if they're on, you're enjoying yourself. Well, that's the thing because I wouldn't say it's only music that makes you want to run through a wall that's what i kind of describe it as so like rage against the machine talking about going against the man you know like the government sucks like you're constantly fighting the man eddie i have to tell you all the time stop going to all these protests exactly you're too politically active so there's that and then idols obviously it's loud it's like kind of what would you call it post-punk i would call it post-punk and so that's also i would say run through wall music but i like chill stuff like on the way here i was listening to the rolling stones that's not chill but it's just different you know i mean i find the rolling stones to be kind of boring but if that's well i've just been on a kick lately and then like i grew up listening to the grateful dead jam bands i know so like it's not that i'm just stuck to loud music it's i this is just a band i enjoy okay so when when did idols come into your life i saw oh the first time I saw Idol or heard of Idols was from an NPR Tiny Desk. Okay, yeah. So, you know, I think that's one way I do find a lot of people. Is through NPR is through Tiny Desk. Tiny Desk. Okay. Which is, it feels terrible to say out loud. But I mean, that doesn't bother me. There have been a lot of great Tiny Desk from the front bottoms to Cheryl Crow. Yeah. To Idols. Yeah. Anti-Pain. Mac Anti-Pain. Miller. Anti-Pain. Mac yeah. Miller, I can't get on board with. We've talked about it in the past. My relationship with Mac Miller is... You were bullied, yeah. Uh, there is none. My, I was getting my ass kicked by kids in Blue Slide Park well, sweatshirts. if you weren't such a nerd, this wouldn't have happened, Case. But you could have is... listened to the music and enjoyed it for what it was. Beautiful music. But at, at that point in my life, I was actually probably exclusively listening to Rage Against the Machine, among other things. And uh, my adrenaline and rage was not met well by the chill vibes yeah. that Mac Miller was bringing to the table. That is true. So I you never, was, you never want like a little bit of different, like a different feel to, well, I guess you don't get high. So you don't, you don't, don't feel music that way. I don't feel music that way. I feel, but I feel music constantly. I mean, it's what I like. And I think this idols album joys and active resistance has a lot of, uh, universal energy to it that I actually think the world would be better off if they operated on the same level as this album for the most part. Have you ever cried while listening to music? This week? No. In my life, plenty. Really? Yes. Just like list, like sitting down and a song made you cry? Yeah. Not because of anything else going on in your life? Like it was just so beautiful that you cried? Uh, Yes. Because for as much as it troubles me to watch uh, men sing sometimes with the swaying and such, there is a uh, Morrissey version of "Life as a Pigsty" at the Hollywood Bowl from 2007. That if I if it's if it catches me at the right moment, it will it will really get to me. I think that and La Disputes King Park, and then Julia Jacqueline has a song. Um, called Don't Let the Kids Win. And I think those, if I'm not expecting it, those can creep up on me and, and get me. Yeah, I don't feel that ever. Never have. But how often do you cry? I haven't cried in three years. You know you know the timeline. Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay, do you want to expand on that? No. Okay, all right. Hey, <laughs> Eddie, you're an open book. I really like that. <laughs> so you get into idols through NPR Tiny Desk. Yes, yeah. And the Tiny Desk, which I've heard as well, 
sounds a little bit different. I mean, it's a tiny desk. It's more acoustic. Uh, and <laughs> in the case of Idols, al- almost more electronic than their overall sound. Yeah, it, um, but there's a lot of reasons. Like, every tiny desk is like that. Yes. I was more intrigued by just kind of how I could enjoy kind of shout screaming or yelling. Mm-hmm. Like, um, their main singer, what's his name, Joe? Joe Talbot. Yeah. His voice is just gravelly and ugly and but like beautiful at the same time you know what i mean so i was like oh i kind of want to keep listening and then i looked them up on uh, apple music and then here we are today i'm obsessed i uh, enjoy the the gravitas and the gravelly nature of his voice i have said on this show previously i have no interest in singers that sound like they could win a talent show i yeah. i need a voice that has some character and some personality to it and i think joe talbot of idols very much falls in line with that ideal. There is a lot of character to it. Cause there's kind of in the background, there's beautiful music going on. It's, I mean, by beautiful, I mean, it sounds like instruments being played correctly. And then his voice just is cutting through it like a really dull blade, you know? Yeah, no, that's exactly it. There's an undeniable, they're not a punk band that simply has instruments and play them. They are musicians. They know, Mm -hmm. they know what they're doing and they create this atmosphere that, more often than not, builds around the voice of Joe Talbot, their singer. And I think from there, they're able to elevate their entire sound because, again, they're professionals. They know what they're doing. Yeah. And then, uh, so I started listening to them. And at first, it was just because of the voice and the music. And, like, it sounds cool. The beat got me going. But then the more you listen, the more you pick up on the lyrics and stuff like that. And then you kind of go, like, oh, wow, there's kind of a lot of thought gone into the lyrics, even though post-punk you wouldn't think i mean punk music in general the lyrics aren't very uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't know because i think i'm about to correct you with no matter it's what not you say. it's not that it's it's a lot more simple they don't need to use a lot of words to get their message across well i think that's one of the great things about idols is that there's no pretentiousness there's no false elitism in this album their message most like most great punk albums is straightforward and it it doesn't take a mystery there's no metaphorical uh illusions in this album it's all to the point and very straightforward and that's something that i get along with very well that i actually i really enjoy that aspect of it uh in all of music, like when there's a story that you can easily understand. I was actually listening to, uh, what's his name? Coulter Wall. Have you heard of him? He's like a folk singer, Canadian folk singer. He's like 25, 23 or something. He has this crazy deep voice. Sounds like Johnny Cash, but like on steroids. Okay. And, uh, you should give him a listen. He's actually very good. But, um, he, he was, I watched an interview with him and he was talking about how, he likes all the musical aspects of, you know, he likes a good sounding tune, but what's most important to him in a song is the lyrics. Like, does it tell a story? What is coming out? And every song he puts out, it, it, there's a beginning, middle, end, people, characters, like, it's crazy. Uh, the more you listen to it, the more you pick up on the story and you're like, wow. And it's very straightforward too. It's pretty much like, I went and I met this girl, I fell in love, she cheated on me and I killed her. And that's the story. But those still, are, it's a yeah. story. Those are stories I can subscribe to as well. I am someone much more focused on what the song is saying than necessarily what the instruments are doing, just because I'm not a musician. I yeah. don't, or, you know, I don't play any instruments, but I can write to some extent, so I care about the words that are being said. So I guess, again, going back to idols, that's why I've started to 
pretty much only listen to them. <laughs> right. It's because now, now I started picking up on all the lyrics and then each song you're like, oh, wow, like this means something. Yeah, absolutely. So Joy as an Act of Resistance, it was released on August 31st of 2018 on Partisan Records. I more than likely heard it on its release date because my relationship with Idols prior to this podcast was only that I had I had discovered the band through the Amoeba Hollywood Instagram page, which Amoeba's in Hollywood is the largest independent record store in the world. I had no idea that it's, was a thing. It's uh, just a magical place that I, I, I attended two summers ago, picked up Blur Park Life on vinyl, among other things. It was a very good trip. Uh, but they had a post on their Instagram about how excited they were to listen to it, and I, I saw Amoeba, and I saw Post Punk, and I saw an album cover that uh, almost looked like it was injected from the Bell and Sebastian universe or something. It's not a picture of the band. It's no. a, a more artistic photograph of a wedding fight that the singer found on Instagram and liked it, made it his album cover. And I thought all of those elements were going to lead to me finding a new favorite band. And when I went to stream the album, I don't remember what song I heard. My guess is that I heard the opener, Colossus, which we'll hear in just a second. Ooh. But something about it didn't click with me. And That's I was, not... That's not the right song to start off on. Well, so I know that now, Eddie. Yeah. But at the time, I did not, and I was like, "This is this is such a bummer." And I had people within my circles going, "No, this album's great. You got you got to give it another shot." And I was like, "Nah, it's just it wasn't even bad. It just didn't it didn't speak to me at all." And then after months of trying to book you, and again, you're such a busy man, and you also uh, were very uh, you insisted upon doing this album of yes. of all albums. So I said, "All right, I'll I'll give it a shot." And then from there, I developed a new relationship with the 12 songs on this album. But we start with Colossus, the opener on Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance. six-minute song that kicks off the record. We heard a little bit of the intro of it as we began the podcast, uh, a sludge sort of almost metal build, big bass line, slower than what most of this album brings to us. And then what we just heard there was what is labeled as part two of the song because it's a big, almost cinematic epic that uh, the beginning, again, is very slow, builds and builds and builds, or in the case of the chorus, it goes and it goes and it goes. And then by part two, uh, we're like Stone Cold Steve Austin and we're putting homophobes in coffins. Eddie, your thoughts on the opener? I mean, anytime you mention a wrestler in a song, it's obviously a banger. That's true. That's a good policy to have. Uh, and this not only mentions Stone Cold Steve Austin, it also mentions Ted DiBiase. Yeah. So we're two for two. The So the I think this isn't a good song to start off with if you're trying to get into the band just because it's an amazing song. I love this song. I have it on repeat all the time. But it gives me kind of vibes of, you know, the Black Keys, Little Black Submarines. I do know the Black Keys. It's a lot like that. It starts out slow, acoustic, uh, like 
I mean, this doesn't, it's not acoustic, but it starts out slow and kind of dreary. And then all of a sudden it picks up in the second part and you're like rocking out. Uh, and I, I just like the, the switch in the song. I have very little patience for four minute builds. It's something that I'm not necessarily interested in in music because again, we talk about like we just did a minute ago, how important the lyrics are to people like us. And it's not an instrumental build. There's words to it, but to me, it was not captivating. It's a uh, uh, four minutes of, of nothing for me. And then a strong two minutes when the song picks up and sonically becomes what we hear a lot throughout the rest of the album. I, I become very interested and I like the latter half of the song, the last third of this track, mm-hmm. but it takes so long to get there to put it at the start of the album. I can understand the idea of wanting almost a cinematic open and telling this dramatic story, but it's something that personally does not interest me at all. I want to make an edging joke so bad, but you're not going to want me to. I don't think that's going to happen at it. <laughs> okay, should we just move on then? I don't think that's going to happen. Um, <laughs> I would prefer you not do that, and I also prefer you never fight a man with a perm, which is track two off Idols, Joys, and Active Resistance. Oh, yeah. That is the first verse of Never Fight a Man with a Perm, but I think to fully contextualize this song and the sudden sonic change that happens, and I actually think we need to hear a little bit of the chorus of Never Fight a Man with a Perm. thoughts on never fight a man with a perm now this is the song if you're trying to get someone interested into idols this is the song you start with it's especially for guys i feel like this is gonna sound weird no go for it but the song makes you feel like you're in a fight yeah it's a very testosterone heavy and that's the thing i like about idols they're very open to everything they have a song on another album about how mothers are the most important people in the world you know but at the same time they're not afraid to not to sound like a meninist or something, but they're not afraid to like, you know, show like, yeah, we're guys. Like, this is how we feel. Sometimes we feel like dumb gorillas and just want to punch something, you know? Uh, so I just like that aspect of the song that it can get you going in the morning. It can get you, you know, pumped up to do whatever you're about to do. I have a lot of, of ways to unpack this song because I, I love the song. It's not my favorite song on the album, but I think it's the most important song on the album because it it made me gravely concerned for the future of music and not for the tastemakers that will eventually decide what uh, what sinks and what swims, uh, but for the table setters and the people that are responsible for bringing music to the masses, whether that be playlist curators on a streaming platform or music directors at a radio station. 
I fear that songs like this that are getting no airplay in America, I just don't understand it because there is an undeniable energy and intensity and accessibility to this song. And I think that last aspect is the most important to where, and it's become a bigger hit in in the UK where the band is from, but Mm -hmm. in America, Idols is in a weird spot where take Chicago, for instance, uh, one night they play Lincoln Hall, which is 400 capacity. Yeah. But they're also on the middle of the poster for Lollapalooza. They're yep. a band that has built their entire platform off of streaming. And it, to me, would just make sense to hear a song like this and go, okay, this is exactly what needs to be on the radio right now. Because if you look at the landscape of alternative radio, and Nielsen just released a report um, kind of summarizing the decade in alternative radio and the most played artists were Cold War Kids and AWOL Nation and Bastille and Vance Joy and not that there's anything wrong with those artists except for Bastille but there's a lack of of energy and a lack of just aggression that is not unwarranted it's not this bad masculine uh, new metal sort of in your face sexist aggression Idols is a band that is in incredibly self-aware and politically active and a song like this i think speaks to both eddie and i and maybe i I don't want to speak for eddie but i think we're on the same page of one of the most attractive things about this album is that it's so aggressive but all of the songs seem to have a very positive message to them yeah it's fighting immigration it's accepting people for who they are it's awareness that although uh, we sometimes have these masculine thoughts. There's a lot uh, that, unfortunately, men contribute to society that is maybe not the best. And Idols doesn't do that in a preachy way. Uh, they are not people that are, are doing this uh, performative wokeness act. They are aggressive. And this song has so many elements to it. The part in the first verse of, you know, he hates me and I like that is uh, resonates with me on such a level. It's, it's really an important song. And the less I hear of stuff like this in any sort of mainstream avenue, why is this not on UFC pay-per-views? Why are people not walking out to the ring with this? Like, I don't, I don't understand where music like this fits into modern society because it seems to be washed out. And no, this song should not be on a Hyundai commercial. This song's not going to sell you a car. Mm-mm. But this song has a place in the general landscape. And one of my big turning points with Idols was not only hearing the song but hearing live versions of this, uh, most specifically the version they played at Glastonbury 2019. That was an amazing concert. It's it's incredible. And it's up on YouTube. It's very easy to find. Yeah. And seeing a mass audience, seeing thousands of people completely on board with this style of music opened my eyes to the fact that there are still people that want this. And to have a band like Idols that is, again, so self-aware and is representing so much good in the world what is their next step? How do they step into mainstream consciousness? Because right now they're they're successful, but they're relegated to different niches that have all grabbed onto it. And I don't have an answer for that. I, th- I mean, they're growing. They, it, they've been growing since they started in like 2012. Of course, of course. Uh, right now, I'm pretty sure they're only, they're they're playing all the big festivals around the world. Like they're what? playing big festivals. They're also opening for Pearl Jam this year. Yeah. You know who else is opening for Pearl Jam? Who? White, White Reaper. Reaper. Oh, oh love, love the Reaper. Love White Reaper. Oh, I man. forgot your shirt. We actually have matching White Reaper shirts and love I forgot to bring Reaper. it. Oh, that's a bummer. That's okay. But to your point, they're growing. Yes, they're growing. And I mean, they're getting a lot of play on. Uh, it's not, I mean, is it that important to get 
radio play nowadays. I think it matters to for some money. Extent. For money, yes. But I think to sell tickets, it matters because we've seen bands just in our in our lives that for whatever reason have one hit that attracts one music director who then now it becomes played in Dallas, now it becomes played mm-hmm. in Chicago, now it becomes played in middle America and you can sell tickets to all these shows. And Idols is a band that is quite frankly too talented to be playing at Lincoln Hall in Chicago, which is a, uh, one of my favorite venues in the city, but it holds 400. They are a band that should be playing at the Riviera Theater. Uh, I, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the day and age. Like we do live in a streaming world now. Like I listen to all my music on Apple Music or Spotify uh, or YouTube. I'll watch their concerts on YouTube. So I found them that way. I found them through the internet. It's not that, and there's a lot of, like you said, you hate Mac Miller. He never really got radio play. I don't hate Mac Miller. I and just don't in, have a relationship with him. Well, during his entire career, he was, I would say for the most part, streamed. Same with guys like Action Bronson. A lot of the independent guys got their way through, you know, online presence and which streaming is, services. Which is great. And that's, I, I am a very active proponent of streaming music um, because a, a lot of musicians will take issue with it because they go, well, we're not getting the royalties we deserve. But at True. least in my life, I have discovered so many bands through streaming services and then I will go to their shows and I will hand them a $20 bill directly to buy their album. So I know that money is going directly to them. That's great. And complaining about what songs are or are not on the radio is not a unique issue to me. It's not a unique issue to this generation. Mm-hmm. But I hear stuff like this that, like I said earlier, is so accessible and has so much energy and just feels so different than the rest of what's what the landscape is right now i don't understand how the ball doesn't get rolling in their direction even faster well who knows this is the year that um rage came back so i mean they're playing a couple live shows people it'll be on their mind again this kind of like hard against the man music and And because uh, it's nice because it's not like this album was called a metal album by certain really uh, review, which bothers me because, uh, in my opinion, metal music deals with skulls and goblins and a bunch of bullshit. They don't say anything important. Punk music is very aware; it's very active. And to me, this is a great punk album mm-hmm. that, you know, to you know, really dive into it. It's post-punk, but it's an alternative album. Th- this album, when I think of alternative radio, I think of a song like this. This is not any more aggressive than smells like teen spirit. It just came out almost 30 years later. And for whatever reason, again, it's the, it's not the tastemakers because we're, you know, people are proving that they like this band. It's the table setters. It's the people that are responsible for giving this band a bigger platform that are either ignorant to the band completely, or they are afraid to uh, change. And that troubles me. Hmm. Is there an answer though? Is there an answer? I don't know about that. I have a lot of unanswered questions in my life, but I do know that every once in a while, I'll be feeling like scum. Oh, what a transition, dude. Crazy. Eddie, I have airtime in the third biggest market of the country, and I just want you to remember that. Yeah. I'm scum, idols. I'm council house of violence. I'm laughing at the tyrants.
those upbeat songs, again, it strays away from what we got in most of the opener. Uh, it reminds me of someone who I mentioned on the last episode of the podcast, Pat the Bunny, a folk singer who has a song called I'm Not a Good Person. Uh, I'm not a good person no matter what I do. I'm staying home because I can't stand the sound of another heartbeat in the room. This album is kind of similar in the sense that it's very self-aware of the negative aspects of oneself. But Eddie, where do you stand on the song? I mean, I think you, I love this song, uh, but I think you nailed it right there. I mean, we all feel like crap sometimes and it's just a song about that. Like I suck. I'm pro the song. I like it. And I'm someone that I think is comfortable with the message of it. I don't think there are any ramifications of not glorifying, but of enjoying a song like this. But I always think back to, uh, Oasis, who mm-hmm. took such issue with Nirvana because uh, post in utero, Nirvana had a song written called "I Hate Myself and I Want to Die," and they also had a song called "Rape Me." They did have a song called "Rape Me." Just throwing that out there. And I just wonder, like the Gallagher brothers were very against that because, like, you know, no, nobody should be saying that kids are listening to this. You should not have that influence uh, on the kids. And I do wonder, and, and I get your perspective on it, of if there's any negative implications to enjoying a song that has such a message. No, because I think that's the most relatable thing that you can... We're all pieces of garbage, you know? Everyone feels that. We have the highs and the lows. You can't just listen to music that makes you feel good about yourself. You I know? completely agree with that. I've been trying to preach that for forever now. That's life, baby. That's life, baby. But... Uh, the glorification, it's, I mean, emo music, that's a thing, right? Emo music is a thing. So, I mean, that would be like saying that whole genre of music is just complete trash because it's all about being sad all the time. Well, and- most music journalists feel that way. They completely disregard anything from the punk emo stratosphere. Okay, then what about soul music? The, the majority of all soul music is about being sad. What about blues? You know, there's like every genre of music. There's a couple, I mean, that's just a feeling, being sad, not liking yourself. That's that's music. That, uh, music is made to show, tell stories and like show emotion and, you know, put all these things together. Uh, and just being sad and hating yourself is that's something that everyone deals with is very relatable and I don't see why you can make a song about that Delco is the fourth song on Idol's Joy as an Act of Resistance. It is named after the frontman of the band Heavy Lungs, who happens to be a friend of the band Idol's. It is a pro-immigration song, a literal call for unity, and it is my favorite song on the album. I was going to say, this is your favorite song on the album. I, I mean, I love this for a number of reasons. I mean, I find the message of it to be very important, 
just from a human perspective, just because the idea that someone was born in San Diego makes them fine, but somebody born in Tijuana makes them not welcome is very confusing to me. And, you know, obviously UK immigration is even more confusing and more complex. And a lot of this album is saying, who cares? Uh, They're people, they're humans, and they deserve to be loved. And that's the message that I agree with. Uh, But again, to package it in a way that is so aggressive and maybe masculine is the right word. And I, I struggle with that just because the album also takes aim at a lot of toxic masculinity, which is their words, not mine. Although I agree that it is a, an issue plaguing this world, but it is nice, at least from my perspective to have someone so vocal and so passionate about these issues that goes about them in this way that isn't soft in their approach that isn't performative in their action that is very literal and very tough and very masculine and i can relate to that nailed it on the head there case i don't even know what to say at this point i i'm gonna cry you're gonna make me cry first time in three years fear leads to panic panic leads to pain pain leads to anger anger leads to hate is uh kind of what we get into right before the course the pre-course if you will Mm -hmm. i'm not a musician but i'm gonna call it the pre-course um Really powerful. I this song, every every second of it, I really enjoy. Whereas, never fight a man with a perm. Amazing song, but I almost struggle with that chorus a little bit because it slows down so much and it's so grungy in a way. And, and again, it's a great song. But Danny Nadelko, uh, there is not a second of this song that I don't think is just absolutely phenomenal. It's my favorite song on the record. If I had to be honest with you, it's probably my favorite song on the the record as well. But if I was to introduce someone to the band, I'd probably still start with uh, Never Fight a Man with the Perm. Well, the riff is undeniable. Mm. A song I would not start with, the fifth song on the album, this is Love Song. Mm. I wrote a love song, cause you're so lovable. I carry the watermelon, I wanna be It is, I love the song, but it's not my favorite on the album. It's my least favorite on the it's album. It's probably my least favorite on the I album. I don't think this song adds a ton to the record. I think this is one that could be cut, quite honestly, and I would have no issue with that. It, it stands at 12 songs uh, in its its full version. I could probably cut it to 10, and this is definitely one that's making the cut. And I hate, not to, making the cut, I hate to agree with you here, because I feel like this album's so well put together that there's just like hit after hit after hit like it's there's so many songs that i want to listen to one after another there's not many albums that i would listen to straight through but this is one that i could if i'm like traveling you know i'm on a bus or a plane like i would listen to this all the way through maybe take fall asleep because i'm not that big of a music guy but still i hate to say it but yeah if if it were if one had to go i'd probably pick this song I hate to back up, but to reflect on the start of your diatribe there, 
you started it with, I hate to agree with you, which is a phrase that I'm hearing more and more, partially because I'm right about most things. And as history, as history has gone on, I've proven to be on the right side of history with most things. But people seem to hate to agree with me. It's your face. Is it my face? It's your face. Is there one specific aspect of it that you seem to take umbrage with? Just uh, the whole persona, the whole, I can't. People really don't want to like me. <laughs> and I kind of force my way into their lives, and then they're stuck with me. And they're like, all right, he's not that bad. But I think there's resentment to any personal success I have, not professional, but personal success I have. And anytime That's I- not true, especially on my part. I'm always rooting for you. You're my guy. You're my fella. You're my child. It's I, I don't know. No. It's just a saying. I just think it annoys people when I'm right. Okay. Now, when you say it like that, now you're just trying to you, you that's not always having to be right is a terrible aspect but to But I be, don't always have to be right. I had I have an ex-girlfriend that You have many. True, but I had one specifically that always had to be right about everything. And we had a literal 4 hours fight about the fact that there's no real reason, scientific reason that can be proved like agreed upon by everyone on why we fall asleep. Like w- what the reason behind sleeping is. We got into an argument over that. I would have been fine with like, because it was mostly, I, I just said it as a joke once. Just like, there's no reason, like science is fake. There's no real reason why we sleep. Eddie's not a big science guy. Not a big science guy. Not a big music guy. Not a big science guy. <laughs> but anyway, her being is like, she has to always be 100% correct. And if she's wrong, then that just means she's the dumbest person on earth. Like in her head, I guess. But I don't have that. I am. I don't know, man. I don't know. You told me you're a very competitive person. I think that has to do with it as well. Like being competitive isn't always the best thing. But I know how to lose. I've spent most of my life losing and being incorrect on things. I've made peace with that. I think it now annoys people whenever I I get the upper hand on them. That's all I'm saying. No, I think it's just your face. Dreams can be so cruel sometimes. I swear I kissed your crying eyes Dreams can be so cruel sometimes I swear I kissed your crying eyes June is the sixth song on the record. It is about Joe Talbot's daughter, Agatha, who was born, stillborn in June 2017. Obviously, an unfortunate situation. Uh, the song came from a very personal place, which goes without saying, but unlike most idol songs, Talbot actually wrote the lyrics uh, for this before the music, and uh, what became of it was a, a troubling three-and-a-half-minute track that also happens to feature uh, my favorite Hemingway quote, baby shoes for sale never worn, which is horribly heartbreaking and terribly hilarious all at the same time. Yeah. If I saw that on Craigslist, I'd probably, like, you know, yeah, uh-huh. just a quick, like, what's your Craigslist history like? What you doing on there? Don't worry about it. All right. Uh, this song, though, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Uh, I like how he, he, in the song, mentions that, like, he, he, 
I think it's him trying to come up with the fact like, yeah, the baby never really got to live a life. It came out dead or sorry, it came out past. <laughs> I don't know the correct term here, but you can still, even though you didn't really get to meet this child, uh, it didn't get to live a life. You're still a father. Like that baby was, it came into this world. It didn't get to, it didn't have a chance, but you still get to feel sorrow as like losing a child because you did. It never really got far, but you're still legitimate in feeling the pain that he feels. He's still a father. That was quite the tightrope back there. You really saved yourself a few times. Yeah, dead babies. Luckily, track seven picks up. This is Samaritans off of Joy as an Act of Resistance. Samaritans, more so than any song, is the song that helps shape and almost scope the idol sound because this is a call against toxic masculinity. They say the mask of masculinity is a mask, a mask that's wearing me. And to have that awareness in this album is very important because it transformed them from five angry British guys to five self-aware people that have uh, a unique perspective on this world. I knew you would nut over this song. I just like the message of it. Yeah, I know. Eddie thinks I'm um some beta boy. No. That yes you know, can't can't handle a real conversation or doesn't know what real comedy is. But that's no. the furthest thing from the truth. No, you're very funny. Very funny. Very funny. I never said you're not. It's no, I know. No, but you take umbrage with the comedians that I enjoy because I'm I'm not listening to Big J Okerson all the time. So. I'm not also like I like a lot of different types of people. I just think vulgar comedy is legitimate as well. I do too, and you pin me as someone that doesn't think that. I don't know. I just didn't think you enjoyed it. I enjoy the song though. Yeah, it is a good song. Yeah, but do you let, let me let me frame it this way because you are someone who we joked earlier about, you know, how politically active you are, meaning you're not really that politically active, which is No. Fine. I don't know who I'm going to vote for. That's Probably okay. Trump. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If someone talks to you the way you do to you, I put their teeth through. Love yourself. And that's what they do. The bastards make you not want to look like you. So you pay through the nose to look like someone else. On the wheels on the shelf. And that, by the way, that is track nine, or I'm sorry, track eight on the record, Joy is an Act of Resistance. That is Televisions by Idols. I think we've spent a lot of time discussing the Idols sound and how it's unique to them. This song, very much in the same vein as those, but it also 
uh, reminds me of a band called the Pixies or mm-hmm. Pixies. Do you, what's your uh, knowledge of Pixies? None. Not None. a music guy. Not a music guy. And the Pixies are a music band. Uh, you can the, see the problem here, right? I can see. I you know I've added it up and I can now see the equation. It's a recipe for disaster. Mm-hmm. But this reminds me of a Pixie song in the sense, uh, loud, quiet, loud, or quiet, loud, quiet. Uh, Baseline influenced verses, big explosive chorus. Uh, that recipe is a recipe of success. It worked for Pixies, worked for Nirvana, works for Idols, Televisions. Your thoughts on the song? It's just an amazing song on the album. Is it? I, I mean, I, I said it before, and I'll say it again. It's just uh, track after track on this album. It, it, there's not. There's maybe one or two songs that I could do without. Most likely, just one. And uh, I just feel like this song it's just a feel-good song like ah like ah you know well that it does feeling. it does fight against uh what are labeled as conventional beauty standards now what that is is obviously debatable but i again like this song uh because you know it leads off with a someone talk to you the way you do to you i'd put their teeth through love yourself mm-hmm. which if it was a tumblr post would be quite annoying yeah but it's in a song it's cool and framed in this song specifically with joe talbot's voice i think it works quite nicely it's the gravel i think it's a very nice message that should uh be in, ingrained in everyone's skull one thing i really love about idols though is if you watch any of their interviews and stuff like that whenever they're talking they're these gruff gross looking dudes they sing you know punk music and it's just loud and obnoxious and his voice sounds bad but like good at the same time and then they talk and they're just like yeah like everyone should just love themselves and like, you're awesome like the, the at the glastonbury festival they're like uh there's a circle forming and uh, you got to let a woman in because it's not a circle. If there's no females, it's a phallus. And I was like, I mean, these guys are, they're awesome. And it just doesn't, I think it's the opposite of what you think they're going to be like. And that's why they're so intriguing. It's why I care about specifically their radio play and their impact on culture, because I think, they are they are superstars. I think they mm-hmm. have so much to say, and it's because of that parallel. And because, like you mentioned, they're they're brutes. They're bruising these ugly guys, and they're very. But they're beautiful. They're obviously a punk band, and I love the plainness of them because anytime a punk band wants to dress like rancid with the mohawk and the shoulder spikes and the mm-hmm. whole getup, I I just hate it because it's such a misconception of what punk music is and what it should be, quite frankly. And I feel comfortable saying that. And I, you know, Rancid can do it, but I find Rancid to be Rancid to be so cheesy most of the time. Idols are just dudes, but they're dudes with something to say. And one of the best quotes I've ever heard in regards to any form of music was said by Jeremy Baum of Touche Amore, uh, who somebody asked him for advice for aspiring hardcore singers, and he said something along the lines of, "Don't scream because it's what the genre calls for. Scream because the message you have needs to be heard like that." And Idols fully fits that ideology of, lyrically, these songs would work if they were, you know, sang with an acoustic guitar and very Mm -hmm. quiet, but there's no need for that. There's such a message here that it needs to be shouted, it needs to be screamed, and I think televisions and this next song, Great, are very clear examples of that. Sack. Moving time of the 
the album is great. A song that is explosive. It's it's a sing-along. It's great. I think it's one of the more positive songs. It is leaning towards unity more than anything. Eddie, your thoughts on great? I mean, it's like the second kind of unity pro-immigration song they have on the album. It's like Danny DeVelco Part 2. I feel like this is a lot more geared towards people living in the UK, especially. I mean, it's called Great, Great Britain, Great Queen, Great People. We got to be great to our people, you know? That's true. But, uh, I mean, it has a good message. Like, you guys are worrying about stupid stuff, and, like, just this isn't going to change your life at all. And, you know, change isn't bad, but, you know, let's let's try it out. Let's yeah. do it. Uh, like they say in the song, Islam didn't eat your hamster. Change isn't a crime. Mm-hmm. So won't you take my hand, sir, and sing with me in time. Eddie, did you know in high school I was a member of the Muslim Student Association at my high school? I did. I remember when you told me, too, we were in a Joey Diaz uh, <laughs> show at the Chicago Theater. And you just threw it out there out of nowhere, and I was like, I was like, what? It's something. Huh? It's something I like to mention, just every so often, just so people know that you're woke. I'm so painfully woke, and yeah. it's also it it was a literal call to activism. Um, mm-hmm. I was doing it to better my community, and people. Uh, I think I, I think there's a lot of performative wokeness out there. I think it's a lot of people not putting their money where their mouth is, and and I did. In my school, in my high school, it was pretty much the same. So some evangelical people posted these papers on everyone's lockers that said uh, all Jews, Muslims, and gays are going to hell. Solid. Uh, so you can see we were very unified as well. I'm sorry, Singer Joe Talbot talked extensively about his issues with substance abuse, most specifically cocaine, and that comes out in track 10, which is Gram Rock, which we just heard a little bit of. Not one of my favorite songs on the album, but also one that if I had to resequence it, I would keep it in there because I I think it is... Uh, it builds character to the band and what they're capable of, even if it's not the best song on the album. I think... Well, I disagree with you because I love this song. Okay. Uh, just the line alone, bada bada bing, I'm the king. Uh, That's how you live your life. It just uh, feels so good, you doesn't it? You walk into most rooms saying that. Yeah. <laughs> bada bada bing! Hey! <laughs> I'm the king, baby. Uh, good morning to you as well, Eddie. King is here, baby. Me and LeBron... The Kings. Both from Akron. Both from Akron. Bada bada bing, baby. Both left Cleveland high and dry. Eesh. You're kind of right. When someone leaves you all alone and nobody calls you on the phone, don't you feel like? Track 
11 is Cry to Me. This is a cover of a Solomon Burke song. I changed my mind. This is my least favorite song on the album. Okay, so I'm roughly in the same boat. Yeah, I would lose this one. I love the idea of covering a song from the early 1960s when you're a band like this. It reminded me a lot of what Nirvana was going for when they covered Lead Belly's Where Did You Sleep Last Night, mm-hmm. but it fails in execution. I, I think this album could easily be 10 songs and shave off a few minutes of it instead of sitting at 12 songs, which again, you know, I think eight of the songs are really great. I think there's another two good songs. And then you leave me this and I'm not, I'm not into cry to me in the slightest. No, I'm not really either. I think think, so. I feel like there's a good, there's a good first half of this album. And then the last couple you lose me. Like if I have to, I'll probably skip these. So I'm, I'm in the same boat as you just because I, I love great, but I think after great things start to tail off a little bit. I think, and again, I think Graham rock is fine. Cry to me again. It's a tough. It's a tough song. Eleven mm-hmm. because it puts a bad taste in my mouth. Kind of towards the end of the album, I'm just you, not into it. You know what's funny is if they just restructured this by a couple songs and threw a couple bangers at the end instead of uh, what currently is, I feel like it would be a complete album. I think it would be like a perfect album, almost, minus maybe one song. This one. Yeah, but it's. It's still there. There are parts of it that are still great, mm-hmm. but you're right. It does kind of lose momentum. Luckily, I think things pick back up a little bit. The last song on Joy's an Act of Resistance, this is Rottweiler uh, by Idols. is maybe not the perfect song but i do think it is the perfect end to this album it is a long uh over five minute closer that is really two minutes of content and then about another three minutes of noise Mm -hmm. which when you front load the album with that i i take issue with it but at the back end of the album and this is not only the last song on the album but it's what's been used to close pretty much all of their live sets ever since it was yeah i was gonna say think about it like a concert that's how you'd want it to end exactly And and i'm very in favor of that ironically it's the last song on the album it was the first song they wrote for the album they wrote this directly after they finished Brutalism, which mm-hmm. was their first record. So this has been around since early 2016, mm. and it closes the album here. And you're pro-Rottweiler, I would assume? Very pro-Rottweiler. Beautiful dogs. I hate that they have this negative light on them in society, you know? It's tough. Just we need to adopt more. Like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of dogs in shelters, kill shelters, some of them are Rottweilers, some of them are breeded with Rottweilers, and they're illegal in some cities. And I think that's ridiculous, and that's what this song is about. Well, it's about his hatred of tabloids and no. how they frame minorities no. to no, it's uh, not. No. Take, to it's be the blame of everything. Case. I've been listening to music for about three months now. I think I know what I'm talking about. This is about dogs and kill shelters. Eddie, I'm going to ask for plugs at the end of the show so you can plug whatever animal society <laughs> hippie bullshit you want. Like I've said on this show in the past, I'm not a big animal guy, and I'm mm. not a big dog guy. You're right. I'm not the big dog. 
I do like cats, though. So, Eddie, that brings us to the end of Joy as an Act of Resistance by Idols. This is a 12-song, 42-minute album. Upon release, it was greeted to a 6.8 out of 10 on Pitchfork, 5 out of 5 stars from The Enemy, and third in their 2018 album of the year voting, as well as an A- from Vice Music, which, when you think about it, doesn't this album seem like the perfect album for Vice? Yeah. Yeah. Like any of their documentaries. Yeah. This is this is so... When I picture the vice corporate office i just pictured this playing 24 7 which i'm pretty sure is failing didn't one of their like executives get busted trying to smuggle drugs across the country something like that happened i only yeah. loosely follow that story yeah me too uh, there's a great enemy review uh from this enemy nme of course is the british publication that has taken many issues with morrissey over the years but that's okay because they write a great review here in which they say and i quote Everything about Joy as an act of resistance is just so perfectly realized. The band began to write the album immediately after they finished work on Brutalism, and it shows the songs feel lived in. The record's overarching message, that of the necessity of unity, positivity, and loving yourself, so empowering that it almost amounts to an entire worldview. It's even more powerful for the fact that Talbot worked on the album in the midst of a massive personal trauma. This is a proper classic punk album, one that people will turn to in times of need, one whose authors are unembarrassed about still believing that art can manifest positive change. Unquote. Eddie, with that in mind, I have to ask, on a scale of 1 to 10, where do you rank this album? Did Pitchfork really give them a 6.8? They gave it a 6.8. That's sad. I was going to say 6.9 just to make the joke. but Would have been sick. Really, I think this is like an 8.2 on my scale, not just because I really love Idols, but I mean, if you look at the album, it's almost complete. If you would rearrange a couple songs, in my opinion, get rid of maybe one, possibly two, make it a 10 album or a 10 song album, it would be a 10 out of 10 in my book. And I also want to reserve that score for Idols. I feel like one day I will get a 10 out of 10 for them, but it might be their next album coming out, which I'm so excited for if you haven't their the their single that's out right now mercedes marxist go listen to it it's amazing it's gonna be on the next album uh kenny beats is going to be working on the album I, I don't even know what he's going to be doing there but i mean he's an awesome um he's an awesome producer so i think it's really cool to see someone in that world kind of switch over to something like this if someone like Kenny Beats is interested in idols and can see that they they rule and that this is an awesome band and wants to get in on it. That has to show you that like this is a band you should be listening to right now. Well, it's that's what is so troubling about idols is that they clearly have some amount of buzz. They were nominated for a Mercury Award, which is the uh, best music in all of Britain. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's power there and there's influence there and there's clearly a following. I just think they are so good, and they're not one of my bands. I like this album. I, I'll go somewhere in the middle of you and Pitchfork. I kind of think it's a a 7.5 if I'm really feeling it, somewhere in that 7.2 to 7.5 range, not to split hairs, but you know, just kind of depending on what mood I'm in. I just I think the world of this band, though, even though they're not one of my favorites, next time they're in Chicago, I will go see them. Yeah, I'll go with you. Perfect. I just I think there's so much to this band, and I think there's even some untapped potential here because I think we've seen what they can do. That three song stretch of never fight a man with a perm. I'm scum. And Danny Nadelko is as strong of a three song run as I remember. I mean, those are all excellent to me in my mind. Those sound like hits. Those sound like songs that can be sang along to in the Aragon ballroom or the Riviera theater or one of these big buildings. And I hope they reach that level. And I hope that people that have influence 
in this world take note and encourage people to run towards the aggression and run towards the anger that idols has on display because I think it's warranted and I think it's important. And quite honestly, I think having some of that rage and aggression back into public consciousness is not necessarily a bad thing. I think, in my opinion, it's just untapped potential, that it's it's coming. It's on its way. We just haven't seen it yet. And I know this just because, like, since the time I started listening to them, they've already grown. Yes. And I only started listening to them, like, what, six months ago, maybe? The first so, time you heard music. Yeah, the first time I heard music ever was Idols. So I'm pretty sure they invented it. Uh, but I, I, there's more to come. There's for sure more to come. I completely agree. Eddie, normally I ask people where this falls on the basic scale, but I don't think Visco girls are going to be listening to Joy as an Act of Resistance anytime soon. Mm. If you have a nose ring, uh, if you smoke cigarettes. Okay, so that's the next question. Who is this album for? Who needs oh, to hear I thought this that's album what right you, now? I thought that's what you were listening to. Uh, anyone who... Anyone who likes loud music, loud music. Those yeah. are the people who need. If to you, hear this. if you, because there's a lot of people who like to listen to the. I, I can't stand indie music right now. It's all the same. I just, it's so ugh, ugh. Like I can get down to like, uh, what's what is there? King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. I hate them. I like that band. They're kind of chill like that, but it's different. They're different. They kind of have like a weird. All, they change I, their style up a lot. Indie music kind of makes me want to vomit and die. But uh, people who liked Rage Against the Machine, people who like, you know, feeling a little bit on edge, people who like loud things, rock, go listen. You're not gonna, you're you're not gonna be sorry that you you, you got into idols. I completely agree. I think this album is for anyone that is perhaps sick of the current discourse and perhaps the barriers or perimeters that we're putting around certain, certain topics. This is a positive and progressive album that is framed in ways of aggression and of angst. And I think that's very important that we have a sound like that in the current scene. Eddie, finally, what do you have to plug? I have a podcast. It's called The Extraordinary Podcast Spectacular. Uh, you can look it up on anywhere. It's on all all uh, podcast streaming services. You know, Apple, um, Spotify, Stitcher, Stitcher. It's on Stitcher, YouTube, Pornhub. Uh, go check that out. Uh, more information on that. You can check out Twitter EPS underscore Pod uh, to get the direct link there. Uh, I think that's all I really need to plug here. That's fantastic. Well, as always, you can follow this podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Art School Albums, and you can follow me on those same platforms at underscore Caselow, C-A-S-E-L-O-W-E. And until next time, Eddie, I thank you for joining the Art School Albums podcast. We'll have you back on someday. I could kiss you right now. Never fight.